0: I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life.
1: Thank you, Tony. Thank you.
0: We're going to talk about uh, well, an icon of the media and uh, entertainment business in Australia, particularly in Melbourne, that Bert Newton. Funeral held uh, uh, earlier or a couple of days ago. Uh, now, uh, you had a quite a, an interesting relationship with Bert. You were rivals early on. Uh, what yeah, can we you did, tell did us indeed. about Look,
1: all that? Look, let me first of all say that. Um, I'll quote my dear old grandma when she talked about funerals and she said, they done him proud. That was her greatest compliment about a funeral. they done him proud, she'd say. Um, and I think in Burt's case, they done him proud. You use the word icon. I veer away from it often, don't use it very much, but you could use it in Burt's case. I mean, he was an entertainment icon uh, in this country. He. Um, I thought that uh, Dan Andrews' speech was fantastic. I thought Eddie Maguire was terrific. I thought it was um, Great that they involved the grandchildren, whom he loved so much. That that Patty involved them so much in the funeral, and that it, which she helped organise and did all that. The choristers, I'm not a religious person, but the choristers uh, in their robes, they sang beautifully. Um, so did the other singers. Uh, look, I thought it was just a, a beautiful ceremony. It it, it did it did do him proud. And at the end, you saw the pressure, which. You forget she's lost a husband of 47 years. When they decided that the the Patty and her grandchildren would be and her, her daughter and her grandchildren would be the pallbearers and escort the coffin, the casket, out of the cathedral. Uh, you could see the the pressure on her face. Then she was really starting to to tell the toll because I mean he that, that designed that beautiful room at home for him, which he never got to use with a special uh, disabled toilet and all those sorts of things. But no, it, it was an amazing day, and uh, he would have been proud. Mm.
0: Uh, when you saw Patty carry or, or, or you know uh, accompany com- accompany the, uh, the, the 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 coffin uh, out of the church, the, she had the mask on, which which also added to the
1: it's confronting the drama and, yeah, and, the, yeah. and the sadness i mean we, we all saw we would lost a colleague and a friend and and australia had lost the entertainer but but she had lost a husband of 47 years
0: what yeah. came through and from all the people i've spoken to i actually spoke to a guy on friday and uh, he his parents lived opposite bert's mother oh, yeah. in in holden street north fitzroy and uh Bert was a Maurist Brothers student, Uh, the Mm. person I spoke to was the same. He said he would often come to the school and address, you know, uh, pupils who were much younger than him, uh, years after he became a star. Maurist.
1: Yeah, the the Maurist Brothers. Look, he never never forgot his roots, that's for sure, that made him also part of the entertainment. Um, uh, it was extraordinary, it got, got, I'd like to talk about his career a bit, but going back to my involvement with, with, with um, Bert Newton, and, and I was flattered and, and honoured that uh, a picture of Bert and me I up saw in the, that uh, yes. in, the, in the commemoration. A very hirsute hinch with a, <laughs> a, a flower on the lapel. Um, you had a beard and a half back then, Darren. Yes, I did too. The, yeah, well, I never trimmed my moustache in those days. I looked like the ABC Gardener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Costa. Uh, look, Costa that's yeah, right. Costa. It goes back, Bert and I, it goes back to before I ever met him. Um, I was in Sydney and I was doing the Maggie Eckhart show and I was, uh, and I'd announced I was moving to Melbourne to go on radio and bernard king you know that was mm. the chef he bernard was the, the
0: guy with the uh, with the very sardonic uh, yes uh,
1: bitter sort very of. droll <laughs> very droll and, and sarcastic but <laughs> bernard said to me he said a word of advice darren in british flamboyant started a word of advice when you get to melbourne whatever you do do not criticize bert newton because he's a god in melbourne so i arrive in melbourne i'm the first time I'm here i'm doing an interview with jack cannon from the sunday press in those days and uh and he asked about melbourne and radio and whatever and bert was number one he was king of melbourne radio and uh he said what do you think of bert newton and i said i don't know where it came from i said bert newton is a myth invented by the reader's digest <laughs>
0: <laughs> now did you had you thought about that line no or had no, you decided just, you're going to go for Bert? you know this no, is no it, it just
1: came to me and of course not not being a, a melbourne person and not being a I didn't, I didn't watch um, uh, in Melbourne tonight or whatever they used to call their shows. And so I, I was not well aware totally of Bert's amazing uh, credentials, but uh, I'd come in here and take no prisoners. And so just the line, I was thinking about it around the time of the funeral thing, where the hell did I get that from? But it, it, it stuck. And the thing was, I mean, I, I claim now the credit for it, but um, it was a very clever move even though unintentional, because suddenly, the papers, especially the Sunday papers, and a weekly paper called Scene, remember that one? Mm, TV Scene, scene. yeah, TV it used scene. to be Listener
0: In before yeah, that. Yeah, that's right,
1: Listener In became TV Scene. And they grabbed us, they wanted nothing better than than a radio war. Oh, and, uh, loved it, And suddenly yes. it became Newton versus Hinch, Hinch versus Newton, Newton says this, Hinch says that. I was about number eight in, in the ratings at 3AW, and he was number one. And they'd even run a story the week I joined that say, claiming, I, I read this the other day, claiming this that the station manager was scratching their heads, how the hell can they find anybody to ever knock off Bert Newton in radio? And uh, what happened was it, so number eight and number one were in this huge shit fight and numbers two to number seven didn't get a look in, <laughs> didn't get a mention, you know, suddenly Hinch versus Newton, Newton versus Hinch. And, uh, and that's the way it was. And I, I ostentatiously, I took a, a $5,000 bet with Bob Rogers, who was doing breakfast on 3UZ to Bert's um, uh, morning show, and uh, with a half an hour with Don Lane as well. Um, but I took a $5,000 bet with Bob that I'd beat Newton within, um, within a year. Um, I lost the bet, but I did knock him off within two years, and it ended his radio career. Um, that was that was the end of Bert on radio. And, and looking back now, it was a hell of a mountain to climb. And we didn't meet each other for about more than a year, I suppose, maybe 18 months. And, uh, and Bert, we were at a funeral, I think, I may have the name wrong, I think it was Gary Meadows' mm. radio guy.
0: Gary Meadows worked at 3DB.
1: That's right, and it, well, it was his funeral, he died very suddenly. Yeah, and, he, um, he, he, he died going back to the I studio think,
0: in Flinders Lane. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he also, people would know him from uh, The Price is Right. Was a oh, TV yeah. game show.
1: Yeah, yeah. Before before John Deeks took over. That's T- right. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Look, I. So anyway, Bert and I meet up at, at the wake. And we're having a drink, and first time I ever met. And then well, we, let me, we let me
0: did, who, who introduced who, or how did that? Sort I don't know, happen? I
1: we just bumped into each other at, 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 after the funeral. At the well, he would have been radio. looking at
0: you, you would have been looking at him, thinking, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> we're enemies here. But,
1: uh, I, and I never, first time I realised how big his head was. I know why <laughs> Don Lane nicknamed him Moonface. I mean, it, it was a very big head, <laughs> but, um, in the nicest possible way. Anyway, we end up on at the bar on the 35th floor what was then the Regent Hotel, which is now Sofitel, right? In
0: Collins Street there. In Collins with Street. the big windows. Right. Yeah, and oh, okay. people
1: looked, could that be Darren Hinch and Bert Newton sitting together? And anyway, I remember this very well. Bert looked at, looked at, Bert said to me, he said, I want to ask you something. He said, Darren, he said, why? 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 Why do you say those things? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at I said to Bert, because he's an entertainer, I'm a journalist, and I said, Bert, you're in the business of creating illusions. I'm in the business of destroying them. <laughs> and, and I gave an example, which I had given on air as well, I think this is what upset him most of all. When John Wayne died, Bert spent probably loving the talent, he probably had an old interview he played of him and John Wayne, and he would have because he met him at the Logies as well. But Bert then spent about two hours of his program talking about how wonderful John Wayne was. And I went on air on 3AW and said, yeah, look, he's not a bad actor and he's been around a long time, he's a big star. I said, but there's another side to John Wayne. He once gave $250,000, back then along a lot of money, to George Wallace's racist presidential campaign. And I said, that's the sort of person John Wayne was. He was a racist. And I said, he's making a movie called The Alamo. And at one stage, one of the, uh, the, the wagons ran over a Mexican extra and the man was killed and John Wayne allegedly, reportedly said, give the widder, give the widder 25 bucks and let's get on with the picture. And so this is the sort of stuff I'm doing about John Wayne on air at the same time Bert's playing all the wonderful stuff. And so that was it. But look, we ended up getting on well. We were never friends. But then I ended up doing the show, Bert Newton's show here that nighttime show in about 1984 or something like that. You know, he had his own show. And I appeared on that once a week. Um, did you watch and,
0: him uh, on television? Did you watch the Don Lane show? Oh
1: yes I did, yes I, I, I enjoyed it. And I, you know, I watched The Wheel I, I, did, I thought he was very clever, he was the master of the what I used to call the single entendre, you know. <laughs> he was very clever, his timing was impeccable, he was at his best when he had to add Lib when things started to go wrong I mean he loved things going wrong he always think he maybe set them up to go wrong sometimes, looking back in the past couple of weeks with all the tributes to, uh, to Bert uh, when he was on the Graham Kennedy show uh, with him in his second banana supposedly and they worked incredibly well together but looking back at those specials in the last few weeks I had forgotten or I didn't probably know at the time just how loaded they were with gay jokes and, and, and homosexual <laughs> insinuations. They really were, I mean, you'd get, you'd, and, and it was often not just what was spoken, it was when you, they kept showing the time when Graham Kennedy mounts him like a jockey and they run around and he, they fall over backwards. But Bert says something like, get up or something, slap me and say giddy up. And you see the look on Graham Kennedy's face, he turns to the audience like, what does he want me to do? Um, <laughs> And that's what hit me, and I was, talk- I was actually visiting with Bob Rogers, the, the, the famous, uh, only a few days ago in Sydney, and uh, I raised that with him, he said, yeah, I hadn't crossed my mind over, it was just at the time, it was sort of, I mean, nobody knew that Grey Grey was gay, and they, they they alluded to his jokes and things, but it really was a... An underlying theme um, of that of that t- television program. Well, it's
0: sort of like vaudeville on television, because yeah. you know some of the vaudeville uh, guys uh, tend to be sort of effeminate like that. Uh, it's an undercurrent of that of that sort of uh, stuff. But it was funny, you know. Oh, it was very, it was very uh,
1: funny. I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just b- making an observation. But they were, I mean, they were. When
0: you look at them, they were so young back. Then. I mean, you know, oh, could yeah. you imagine somebody in their twenties? Now having that sort of uh, uh, input and power, gravitas. Yeah, mm. at that age, they were they were funny, they were clever, they were, and and, and, and of course. They were at the cutting edge of television when television was starting out. But, 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 uh. Well,
1: they were inventing television because nobody knew what the rules were. Nobody knew how to do it. I mean, Graham Kennedy was the biggest rule breaker with his, you know, his crow call fuck, you know, that when he got, he got banned from live mm. television for a while, you know. Um, but with, with the gay stuff, um, at one stage, I think, maybe it's at the Logies, Bert was very good at this. There's a very pretty girl who's about to present an award or something, and, and and she gave a guy a kiss, and Bert says, "Can I have a kiss too?" She said, "Sure," and he walks right past her and plants her <laughs> on the guy behind her. You know, it was very very funny television.
0: Yeah, his his mind just thought like that. He could he could he could get a laugh out of just the most simple and le- and and, and well, well, look at the famous
1: one. Look at the famous one and the speed of his reaction when he realised he'd committed a totally um, un unscripted and uh, and. and To him, an offensive word. He said to Muhammad Ali, "I like the boy," and "boy" is the most insulting word to to a black American. You know, it's it's worse than nigger. You know, to to call somebody boy. So, but Muhammad Ali looked shocked and said, "Did you say boy or Roy?" And Bert grabbed it with an instant. knew he'd made a mistake. Grabbed it and brought the audience in, and they all started shouting. He said, "Roy." He said, "Roy." He said, "Roy." You know, and summed up that this was a man, a comedian. Who would never have said something like that insulting, so cruel, intentionally?
0: Well, that was a line that Bert used to do in an ad. Uh, that's why he used that line. Is I, that right? I, yeah, I think he used to do uh, Colonel Sanders' uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken ads. Oh, yeah. And at the end of it, he'd say, I like the boy, which was part of the ad. Now, now maybe that ad was because I think Kentucky Fried Chicken came from the South of America as well. It did indeed. So. Did indeed yeah. uh, but I don't Sanders. think he realised the, the, the racist overtones to it. Uh. No, he, no, he wouldn't
1: have. He wouldn't have. Now, can I just digress for a bit to add to your Trivial Pursuit uh, knowledge? You mentioned Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Yeah. Do you know when and why Kentucky Fried Chicken became KFC?
0: Um, well, I... It's I, not called
1: Kentucky Fried Chicken, no, it's, it's called K- KFC.
0: KFC now. I, I think it was in the 80s when that happened. Might have been the 90s. And I, I thought it was just to make it a bit more trendy and uh, make it less sort of like
1: unhealthy. Yeah, your last part's right. It wants to make it more healthy. And it has an Australian connection because John Singleton, the advertising whiz, right, and my former boss at 2GB, um, John Singleton, when he's in the advertising business, he convinced the Australian branch of Kentucky Fried Chicken to change the name to KFC because people were getting health conscious and eating better food, and the word fried, he convinced them, would be a turn off. Yes, right? well I think and he's so right. They changed the, so, they, so they changed to the KFC, and then internationally, they changed to KFC. And so all of KFC became, all of Kentucky Fried Chicken, they still use Colonel Sanders, but it became KFC. Although and now I notice in the past couple of months, there have been a couple of places now are going back to Kentucky Fried Chicken because young Australians, young people, wouldn't know that it was called what Kentucky Fried Chicken was. They just say, I'll oh, get a bucket of KFC. KFC. Uh, have you had KFC lately? Not lately. I, I, look, I eat it once a year, but I, I must admit, I wish I knew where well there's a KFC close to me because I've had a craving for it about, <laughs> since lockdown. I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I do cook uh, a bit of um, roast chicken and I do cook um, a bit of, um, I, I get my own um, breadcrumbs out and crumb a bit of chicken or, or crumb some uh, chicken legs or chicken wings and put them in the oven or now my new air fryer. And uh, I do that, but I have craved KFC, I must admit.
0: Have you ever had it in in the south of America, where it uh, no, sort I of emanated no. from?
1: Yeah, we used to have it in there. Oh, and they 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 made a big deal, of course, about the uh, eleven secret spices in KFC, in KFC, and that they were hidden. The, the actual original recipe was hidden in Colonel Sanders' um, Colonel Sanders safe. When Colonel Sanders was an invented character, anyway. But since then, um, a lot of people have have divulged as the americans would say have divulged um uh, the, the original recipe and so you can google it and you'll be able to make your own kfc if you're so inclined
0: well it's, it's a bit like coke isn't it i mean i would have thought you could scientifically examine it and work out exactly what's in in it um mm.
1: uh, are you a coke drinker also no no, no i'm not no i drink uh, i drink a lot of water uh, i i take mint off my own balcony and put that into a, a jug of water and put, keep that in the fridge. I crush the mint and keep the mint water in my fridge. But in recent months, I've now developed a real taste for um, coconut water. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not grown in Australia. It comes from. So uh, you the buy that, you don't make time. that yourself. Um. No, no, you can't. No, you, you buy it in. Uh, you buy it in the supermarket. I get it. Get it home delivered, and it's a. It's a beautiful drink, very refreshing. You know, Wait, is it not, good for, not bad you, for you? But I, I got into trouble recently on Twitter. I was you talked. You mentioned Coke. And uh, I put a tweet up saying, because I've seen the ad saying about the new sugar-free coke, right? And it says, no compromise. Right, That's the ad, no compromise. And I said, surely if you've taken the sugar out, isn't that compromise? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all advertising, isn't it? Just, yeah, uh... I, I,
1: the the pedant comes out of me. You know, I mean, I, I had a fight with the, uh, the once over Bunnings, and they say lower prices are just at the beginning. So, I thought the lower prices would be the end. You look at the quality of the product first and then see whether it stacked up, and the lower prices are just the beginning. You,
0: know? you love bursting, bursting those bubbles. Uh, well, don't well,
1: you? Here's another one. I did this on 3AW and I got the boss from the company on. Remember the old one? A Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. <laughs> yes. If you had a Mars bar every day, 365 Mars bars a year, you are unhealthy. <laughs> A Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. <laughs> uh,
0: it's, all, it's, all, it's all rubbish, yeah. You, talking well, about... The other,
1: here's another one. Here's another one. Um, all these hand cleansers and detergents and things. Removes 99.9% <laughs> of germs. I mean, they can't guarantee you 100%. So they put they put the lifesaver in there for court reasons. Yeah, like well, it's probably that zero 99. zero point one that might
0: kill you. Yeah, uh, that's, that's right. Uh, talk, talking about water, I remember you on on your on your TV show uh, what, yeah. doing a story about a guy in Melbourne, I think, who. Who was pretending that he was getting water from some mountain somewhere, and, and it was just tap water a bottle. Oh, yeah, basically. we we
1: set a crew around and got him, saw him loading the bottles up <laughs> from a garden tap. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and charging a heap of money, like what water has gone out of control? I think I remember going well, to. Look, look,
1: can I interrupt you for a minute? Yep. You, you're on the right track here, and it really puzzles me. Maybe you can answer the question. We it's on the TV news, and people go apeshit when um, when petrol gets to $1.70 you know, um, a litre, okay? Oh, mm. how can we, or it's, it's going to get to $2 a litre. The same people fill their tank up, walk into the supermarket and pay $3 <laughs> for a litre of water. $3.99 <laughs> for water. <laughs> well, see, I, I do not buy water at all. I um, I said, I make my own. I get the fresh mint, crush it from the ground on my garden, my balcony, crush it, put it in the fridge and it's beautiful.
0: I could never understand. The first time I ever saw anything of people buying water was when I went to Europe in the mid 80s and uh, there were people near the train station selling water. And I remember thinking, "Who? why would you want to buy water? Can't you just get it from sort of a tap? And, and I grew up on a farm, and we used to have a, uh, a water tank, unfiltered, Darren. I remember the cat mm. went missing. Poor Ginger, the cat, went missing. <coughs> for 4 months where was ginger we couldn't find ginger and my dad went to check the level of the tank water and there was a layer of cat fur on top of the uh, the, the water poor ginger had jumped in there and uh, and died and but poor us you'd, you'd been
1: drinking you had been, been drinking ginger.
0: it for 4 months <laughs> nothing, I'm still alive, uh, you know, and Melbourne tap water is, uh, nothing wrong with uh, Melbourne no, no. tap well, water. My, just...
1: my, my dad used to call water, he'd would you like a drink of cordial?" he called it cordial, which is water out of the tap, but I, I'm like you, when I lived in New York, and it was a bit sensitive to me because I was offered shares in one of the first companies in Queensland that um, started bottling water, and my attitude was, I'm not going to invest in that, who in Australia will buy water? <laughs> It's like buying uh, air, and then there was one. I think I think it was called Torino Spa. I've got to be a bit careful here. I'll say allegedly that they found they found uh, things unlike, not not water-like in the water, and that caused them problems. And and a couple of the the famous French waters ended up having petroleum in them. And that you know it's it's, it's, it's not always as clean as it likes. But uh, well, I'll, I'll admit I have an expensive uh, water filter thing in in my in my under under the sink and uh, they are expensive because you have to replace them about every year or two and they cost about three hundred dollars tell me
0: something though Darren. can you if i was to go to your place and put two glasses of water on your desk one filtered one unfiltered do you reckon you could taste the difference no well, no, probably
1: not. But I just thought it's, it's, it must be healthier if it's cleaning something out. And I occasionally get a little muck out of the tap, so I presume something good's going yeah, on. You know. yeah. yeah, Let's
0: get back to Bert, uh, yes. Darren, if we can. So so after that first meeting and after you, you toppled him, was there any other contact between you two after your, your initial contact, first at the uh, funeral and then when you had the uh, the drinks together at the uh Thirty-fifth uh, floor there, the the Sofitel now.
1: No, no, Bert and I we had no social dealings at all. Um, you know, I, I followed his career obviously, and and uh, we ironically had a couple of we both did radio. Then we both at some stage did um, the Rocky Horror Show. Both played the narrator in the Rocky Horror Show. I did it at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne, um, and so you know, and it was an amazing career lasting decade after decade after decade, and it was extraordinary. I know that. Uh, and I'm going to be very bit careful here, because I, I, but I always say, all well, history owes the dead is the truth. I mean, Bert was a great entertainer. He was a great guy, um, he, but he, he had his faults. Keep this in mind, all right? Um, I'll tell you two quick stories. One, without going into the details, um, Paddy put up with a, a bit. Bert, had a, as you all know, was a, had, a, had a gambling problem. He was a big, big punter. And I think that cost him a lot of money over the years. Um, Bob Rogers, I mentioned the other day, I was at his house and he told me a story about Burt when he was doing breakfast and Bert was doing mornings. Bob Rogers um, did a phone interview with a famous actress called Deborah Carr. You may remember her, that mm-hmm. scene from here to eternity on the beach rolling around with Bert Lancaster. And, and they used crashing waves to simulate orgasms. <laughs> it's a very famous scene. But so Bob gets his interview with Deborah Carr. And it was very good. And he gets a call from the general manager and he thinks he's gonna get a hero, to go up there and say, what a great interview. And he gets upstairs, he gets ripped out. And the general manager said to him, listen, you're fairly new here, but you have to understand we have a rule that only Bert Newton interviews the big stars. <laughs> and Bob said, was taken back, taken our back. And he said, well, maybe if I'd known that rule, I, I wouldn't have signed on in the first place. You know, um, and he was very very upset about it. Now, I sympathized um, with Bob, but then also with, with Bert, because when I was number one at 3AW, um, I had somebody from the Saturday Night Show come and say to me, listen, we want to interview so-and-so. And they said, no, we can't, because if we do, Darren Hinch won't interview them on the Monday. And I said, that's right. I said, when you're number one, you get them first. And, if, 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 and PR people around town knew that if they tried to put um, a famous star on some other radio station before I got them, I'd cancel the interview.
0: Well, I think that's fair enough because they've already you'd, been you'd on something You'd lose
1: else. some. You'd lose some. I mean, yeah. um, you, you would. And, but uh, that's the way it's got to be. I mean, you think they if they want the biggest audience in town, they go to the big, biggest audience first. Uh, but Bert, uh, Bert, Bert and Paddy,
0: Darren, uh, you mentioned Pat Paddy there. I mean, forty-seven years of uh, marriage. Uh, yeah. Bert was in his thirties when when he got married. I think he lived at home with his mum for uh, for a long time quite yeah. some years in in the end he was he was just i think he was the youngest in his family so he he was a that's a, true he was. His mum, I think, doted over him. Uh, uh, you know, and, and when you when you, I mean, I've heard that he, he used to sort of love lo- lolling around home in his uh, dressing gown, like you know Hugh Hefner and that sort of stuff. He was your, he was your typical showbiz guy. He lived to be on stage, or lived to perform, or lived to be on the
1: radio. Really, that's true. Um, he used. He also off off camera. He'd also be entertaining because he used to have um, these uh, probably weekly. Like before Trivial pursuit, trivia quiz nights, and in, in his dressing room, and he'd invite people in to play the play the games. And from memory, I didn't ever get, didn't go, but um, I think he used to drink Abbott's Lager. That's that was his beer of choice, Abbott's Lager. From memory, um, and he'd have people in there, and they'd have these competitions of showbiz quiz sessions. But I was t- told by somebody who'd been there that one week they made the mistake of winning. <laughs> And Bert wasn't that impressed. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they got invited back. But. <laughs> uh,
0: that's uh, that's funny. The the funeral uh, that uh, the state funeral, and by the way, you think it was appropriate that he be given a, a state funeral?
1: Oh hell yes! Uh, of, of, of of the last ten, his his would be the most appropriate, I yeah, would say. Because there's and some look, discussion. I've say cut in here and talk politics for a second. I thought, As I said, I thought the, the Premier did a good job. Uh, he, he touched the right tone. But, you know, I had saw people on Twitter and on Facebook saying things like, what was ScoMo doing there? What's the Prime Minister doing muscling in on it? What's he doing there? And I thought, hang on, it's a state funeral. Surely it's an honour for the Prime Minister of Australia, I don't care if he's Labour or Liberal or National or whatever, it's, a, it's an honour and a tribute to the person who's in the casket that the Prime Minister of Australia takes time out to come to your funeral.
0: Mm. It, Surely, it is- I
1: mean... I mean, they said, oh, he's just electioneering.
0: Uh, well, we are you know, in an election mode at the moment. Yeah, that's so true. But I,
1: I, even if we weren't, but I, I don't know Morrison that well, but even if we weren't in election mode, I'm sure the Prime Minister of Australia would have gone. And if he hadn't gone, people would have found out what he was doing that hour and say, well, why mm, could he take out two hours yeah. out of his time and go to the funeral? You can't. You it can't would be can't. an insult to Bert if he hadn't gone.
0: I think what came through with things that Scott Morrison said and also Daniel Andrews said was that uh, they, they had watched Bert on television mm. for many many years from when they they were but they were young i think daniel andrews said his grandfather who was worked in the railways or something loved bert newton that's what he said yeah. during during his speech um, and i guess yeah, that, that, when- that's true and also i think it
1: was andrews who said he had he, a lot of people knew him and only 500 would go to his funeral because of covid but most australians felt they knew him and and that story that peter ford told that he'd been told he wasn't allowed to use until quote Bert said you're not allowed to use it until I cark it uh, about how he now this is in the eighties when people were living in fear of AIDS right and this is why one thing about Princess Di I thought was so brave she went and embraced AIDS the AIDS cause and AIDS victims but people didn't want to go to to the to the Fairfield what was called in the Fairfield Infectious Diseases Hospital that was its name and Bert uh, and Peter went there because a friend of his had AIDS, was dying, and did die. And Peter said later on on television when he broke the story that he went there and and this, it was a very depressing time because people, visitors didn't want to go there because they thought you could get AIDS. It was, it was infectious. You'd get it from drinking out of the same glass of water that somebody else had drunk, drunk out of. Some of the myths, the awful myths about AIDS, were, were, were shocking. And some of the homophobia that came out uh, was shocking. Um, But on this day, he went to the hospital to see his friend, and it was all a buzz. He said, "Some he said it was just suddenly everything's buzzing." And he found out that he didn't see him, but he said Bert Newton had been there, and he'd gone around and seen every patient, probably about 24 of them, every AIDS patient in that ward, and saw them all and talked to them. And then he spent half an hour with Peter Ford's friend, and he left behind on the on the, the side table one of his one of his logies. As, as, as a present. Oh, wonderful,
0: and, wonderful. And Betty yes. said, uh,
1: sorry, Patty said later on that he won more than 30 Logies, I think, over the years, and they could only find 17 <laughs> or 19 of them because Bert had given so many of them to other people. But he, he told Peter Ford, he said, don't don't, don't mention the story until I cark it. I don't know what the rules are about giving away your Logies. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? You know, it is, it is. And, it is, and, it and is, there are hundreds of stories about of the things that came out over over the weeks of um him going to his local store and uh, and, and somebody, uh, one of them guys not being there, so he stood behind, worked behind the counter for a bit, or he dro- got in a car and dro- drove someone, and well, it, she did have a car and wanted to go and find her father in country Victoria, and Bert said, I'll drive you. Uh, so there was that side to him which was, uh, which was incredibly personal and personable and generous. Mm.
0: That's right, and uh, as I said earlier, with the friend who uh, w- lived across the road from Bert, uh, Bert would go to the school that he, he was a student at and uh, see students and talk to the teachers and uh, give pep talks and all that sort of stuff. He'd just uh, arrive unannounced. Uh, obviously, he felt That's a sweet. connection with that school.
1: Um, hey, let let um, me finish. Let me finish with a Bert story <laughs> when, that I remember very well. I was, I was I said I did a once a week sh- thing when I was at Three W. I'd go on Bert's show and talk about various things, and then I'd walk out and join the team on the couch, and this night, he had this revolting, quote, actress, trans actress, called Divine on there. She, she, he had made a movie called Pink Flamingos, and uh, uh, Divine's greatest claim to fame was that she she once said, as part of this movie, she ate dog poo, And, uh, so we're sitting on the couch, and something came up, and uh, Devine and said something, to, to me, something derogatory, like, you know, did you get the name, number of the person who put the fire out with, with a seatbelt, with, with, with a fire, with a chain, or something like that, you know, on your face. Um, anyway, I said to Bert, he's the host, and I said, look, it's your show, and if you would have people on who's maintained the fame as they eat dog shit, then that's your call. And he said, it's my show, Darren, it's my show. I said, yes, Bert, but I don't have to be on it. And I got up and I walked out on camera and the worst thing was in Channel 9 they had this huge must have been 20 foot tall gold looks like gold lame c- curtain right and it all folded and folded and I thought I'm never going to find the crack to get out I'll be banging against this gold curtain for five minutes with the camera on me and thank God the television gods were looking at me because as I stormed out I hit the curtain and it parted like a hot knife through butter and I was out of there <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, it was like, but it's my show, Darren. It's my show. I said, Yes, yeah, certainly is your show, Bert, but I'd have to be on it. <laughs> what, what
0: I noticed, uh, too, at the funeral are the, some of the people um, who, who we haven't seen for a long time. Steve Vizard, I haven't seen for ages. Uh, he's looking a bit grey and uh, lost a lot of hair. And, uh, is that right? He put put on a lot of weight. And, and Molly Meldrum, I saw, too. Oh, I John Michael House, Molly? and also not, not yeah. looking that well.
1: well. John Michael is has been ailing a bit. Um, Molly, of course, had that terrible fall from his roof and never really recovered from it. Um, and he, and, and, and it's showing. Um, I would have, I would have loved to have been there, but um, I, I, I was in Sydney and uh, could, couldn't get there. Um, but I, um, yeah, well, but, hey, we're getting old, mate. We're aging, we're aging. I, 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 some days think now, I think, hell, Darren, to yourself, in three, years, less than three years time, you'll be 80. <laughs> You know, and it's just 80.
0: something, you used to think 50 was old, you know. Well, I'm a grandfather now, Darren. Yeah. I, I, I shake my head and think there's a little person there is now two generations, well, one generation removed from me, but she's my, you know, my... Uh,
1: that must be must be wonderful though i mean probably in later years i I mean i never wanted children deliberately i didn't have them didn't want them my career is more important but looking back now and my dear friend Dermot o'brien is now a grandfather as well and i look at you guys proudly pulling photos out of your out of your wallet or off your mobile phone and showing them off and i think yeah that's that's pretty nice uh, nice."
0: i I think at our age We've got more time to enjoy the little tiny things, which we didn't actually have time to do when we actually had children our, ourselves.
1: And also, COVID has made people... COVID lockdowns has made people more reflective, very much so, and appreciating the small things, appreciating things around you more. I really think that has been the one, probably the only um, plus sign out of all of this. Well,
0: as you as you run out of days, the days become precious. Uh,
1: well, you know, you know, my favourite old... My favourite old oh, Ricky Gervais, the comedian, asked people to uh, come up with their favourite slogan, their favourite line, right? And I gave him mine, and, and he it, he gave me a tick, he gave me a like. So I got a like from the Ricky Gervais, and mine one was the Irish one: the older, you, the old, the longer you live, the sooner you die. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. On that note,
0: all right, uh, Darren, we'll um. End it here today, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again next week.
1: We will, mate. Bye-bye. Ciao.